in your best three-year-old voice, just talk to God. Ask Him questions. Listen for answers. Have a conversation. Hey there, and welcome to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode 104. Our topic today, pray like a three-year-old. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, welcome again. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm so glad you've tuned in to listen. Today we're talking about praying like a three-year-old. Several years ago, I was at a church-related conference, which included people from very divergent faith traditions. It was fascinating just to listen as these earnest people debated theological circles around each other. Actually, it was more of a friendly discussion instead of an argument or debate, but the display of biblical scholarship and expertise was really phenomenal. I didn't even know what some of the words meant that they were using, and they had an explanation and a name for everything. In one sense, it was so inspiring. These folks were hungry for the Word of God and, in all sincerity, wanted to understand what God has revealed in the Bible. And they dissected it into tiny little bits down to the nuances of the meanings of words in the original Greek and Hebrew. But in a funny sort of way, it was just a bit arrogant, maybe. Not in a proud, boastful way, but in the sense that many of them felt like their scholarship gave them a better understanding of things that they knew exactly what a certain Bible verse meant or what the correct, according to them, theological concepts were and that somehow by their much learning, they were getting closer to God. Now, as I said, there was a wonderful sense of brotherly love in all this, and everyone really appreciated this feeling of love and mutual respect for each other. But the whole experience really made me reconsider my approach to faith. What I realized is the knowledge acquired and assimilated by intelligent men and women, as amazing as that knowledge may be, can never equal the revelations of truth that come directly from God. It kind of reminded me of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. I think it's safe to say that we can add 
the human intellect to that list of things that can't discern the things of the Spirit. Of course, that hasn't stopped mankind from trying to figure everything out through human reasoning century after century. I'm not trying to say that Bible scholarship isn't important because there is so much we can learn from it, and it has a place. But in and of itself, it's not enough for salvation. It's not enough for knowing and having a relationship with God. You might know about God, but knowing God and having a relationship with Him are two different things. I imagine both the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Jesus' time thought they had the correct understanding of Jewish theology and tradition and thought they were closer to God because of it. Their self-proclaimed theological correctness and obedience to the law could not be their ticket to heaven. So, heads up for all of us today, it's not your theology or my theology or our biblical prowess that gets us into heaven. We are saved by God's grace and God's love. Sometimes we're a little too easily impressed with sometimes intimidated by, or perhaps we disagree with, the biblical knowledge and scholarship, or sometimes the personality, of a religious leader. And sometimes we're impressed with our own intellectual understanding of things. Even some of Jesus' own apostles had this problem. Some of them thought they had a better grasp of things and deserved a better place in heaven than the rest of the twelve. Remember when the mother of James and John came to Jesus? This is in Matthew 20, 20-24. She kneeled down and asked something. And Jesus said, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. That's pretty bold, wouldn't you say? Verse 22, But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. And speaking directly to James and John, he said, Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And here's the clincher, verse 24. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. No kidding. They thought that somehow what they had done or said or how they had behaved or how they were close to Jesus, that that was going to give them spiritual brownie points somehow in heaven. But it's not how smart you are or how smart you think you are, or how spiritually minded you think you are. It's not how much you think you understand the Bible and complicated theological ideas that open the gates of heaven. Jesus says, in fact, just the opposite. It's about being humble and receptive as a little child. To the degree you think you know everything, You aren't receptive to any ideas that disagree with your own. And I speak from years of experience 
of thinking I was right theologically on any number of topics and that I had to go tell everybody and prove to others that they were wrong. But in the process, I had almost entirely neglected that childlike quality of receptivity to new ideas, to new ways of looking at things. During the last 15 or 20 years, in realizing I didn't always have to be right, and that I might not be right all the time, it's opened me up to listening better to those I disagree with or those I agree with, but they express the same idea differently. Well, surprise, in being receptive to new viewpoints, I have grown spiritually as a result. I feel more certain of God's love for me. Being receptive to new ideas doesn't mean that You have to compromise your faith and adopt everything anyone else says. But from my own experience, I have become more loving and patient with others, and they have felt this love. We're able to have honest, open conversations about ideas instead of yelling and screaming in defense of our theological positions. So when I talk about receptivity... I don't mean being receptive to or being influenced by evil or sinful worldly temptations. True receptivity means openness to God's infinite goodness and love. Think of how little kids are. Well, not always, but often. They're receptive to all the good around them. They're ready for the next fun thing and they have a sense of joyful expectation of this good. This sense of childlike expectation of good is a powerful state of mind, especially when you pray. Jesus was referring to this when he said, and this is in Matthew eleven twenty-five, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Think of all those people discussing theological concepts in great detail at that conference I went to. That's not necessarily the kind of wisdom and knowledge Jesus is talking about here. As I said, there's nothing wrong with that, but Jesus wants more. Let me share an example with you of what this childlike receptivity can look like. One evening, when my oldest daughter, Virginia, was two or three, I had just put her down to sleep and was catching my breath from a busy day when I heard squeals of agony. I ran back to her room and found her clutching her ear, sobbing in pain. It was the dreaded earache. As a new parent, I'd heard so many stories about how bad that can be. I picked her up and tried to comfort her, but to no avail. My first response was to pray for healing. I told her I was going to pray for her, but I was fearful and my prayers seemed like empty words. So I called one of my spiritual mentors to pray for her, a Christian science practitioner, and to pray for me as well. I don't really remember much of what this dear man said to me. He could hear the fear in my voice, and he certainly comforted me. But the one statement he made that I remember made all the difference. He said, James, her innocence is her protection. 
I was so receptive to that idea. I knew she was innocent. She hadn't done anything to deserve an earache. God was not punishing her. I went back to Virginia's room. She was still crying. I picked her up again and held her close and asked in a soft voice, Would you like to go downstairs and get some juice? Well, her response was immediate. Uh Uh-huh. Now, what you need to know is, this was a complete departure from the going-to-bed routine in our house. Once she'd been put to bed and she knew this, there was no more getting up and asking for a drink. We always gave her a sippy cup of water next to her bed, but we expected her to stay in bed and fall asleep. So, when I asked Virginia if she wanted to go downstairs for some juice, she knew immediately that this was a total breach of protocol and what a special treat it was. As I carried her downstairs, she was full of expectation. Talk about receptivity to something good. She had a total shift in what she was thinking about. After a few sips of juice, I asked her if she would like some milk, too. Uh Uh-huh. After the milk. Did she want some water? Uh Uh-huh. Well, let me tell you, the heavens might just as well have opened up and rained down buckets of gold. Virginia was so receptive to the good in front of her, she forgot all about the earache. She wasn't crying anymore. In fact, the earache and the pain were all gone. She was completely healed. And she never had another earache. Prayer is an amazing thing. I don't know the details of how my friend prayed, but Virginia and I were both receptive to those prayers. When I first got off the phone with him and went back into her room, I had no intention of offering her any juice. I had no idea what I was going to say to her. I was just aware of her innocence in God's eyes. And God put the right words in my mouth. It wasn't the juice that healed her earache. It was God's love. Virginia's receptivity to that unexpected treat, I think illustrates so perfectly the reason Jesus said we have to be like a little child to enter heaven. She hadn't done a bunch of careful Bible study. She didn't have her Doctor of Divinity degree. She was three years old, for crying out loud. No pun intended, but she was crying out loud. She was just receptive to the good that was offered, and she seized upon it. And this is what Jesus is talking about when he says in Mark 10.15, Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. How does a little child receive something? When you pray, are you relying on your human intellect, your years of Bible study, the sermons you've preached or listened to, the books you've read, the podcasts you've listened to, including mine? Or are you like a little three-year-old who is ready to play with the next toy from the box or take the next sip of juice when it's offered? One of my favorite Bible passages is from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So many people love these two verses for very good reasons. Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. We love to quote these two verses, but don't we sometimes still depend on our own understanding, our own personal intellectual grasp of biblical ideas? Or we think we need to study more, to pray more, to get more understanding. But the proverb says, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We should pray less like adults with all our knowledge and pray more like a three-year-old. Just for a moment, imagine what it was like when you were three. Or think of someone you know who is three. How do they talk? How do they act? How do they pray? How did you pray when you were three, if you did? A three-year-old can be an endless patter of needs, observations, silliness, thoughtful reflections, and spontaneous expressions of love. They have full confidence that you, as the parent, will always be listening and interested in what they have to say and to give them what they need. Do you ever talk to God that way, asking for what you need, however big or small, with the absolute assurance that he is listening to you at all times and ready to help you when needed? Go back to being three, or rather the mental attitude you had when you were three, and pray from that point of view. In your best three-year-old voice, just talk to God. Ask him questions. Listen for answers. Have a conversation. Hi, God, it's me. How are you? I'm good. What are you doing today? Hey, God, what's your favorite color? Could you please help me not be afraid of the monsters under my bed? Okay, thanks. See you later. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's not supposed to be complicated. Jesus wants us to pray as little children. He wants us to see through the eyes of a child and live with the innocence, purity, expectation, and receptivity to good that kids have. Okay, I know there are kids who are the exceptions. We all know three-year-olds who are far from angelic. But you know what I'm talking about. And you know what Jesus is talking about. Don't go down the rabbit hole of finding excuses not to do what Jesus tells you to do, to be like a little child. This prayer of a three-year-old, this prayer of receptivity, expectation, and trust, may seem like a simple thing and not adequate for all the challenges you're facing and dealing with. You may think you're too mature for that. But it really is a way of seeing the world, a way of living in expectation and acceptance of good. It's a way of complete trust in God to take care of you and meet all your needs. It's a powerful attitude in prayer that really opens the windows of heaven right here and now. I encourage you to practice praying like a three-year-old. Thanks so much for being here today. I'm so grateful you tuned in to listen. 
If this is your first time listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, a special welcome to you. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, I encourage you to subscribe. Go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click the subscribe tab up in the menu. Fill out the form with your name and email, and you're all set. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, I would love to hear from you. Go to the website, again, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the contact tab up in the menu bar. Just fill out the form, and I'll be in touch. If there's anyone you think who might enjoy today's episode, please share it with them. You never know what a difference a simple little idea might make in someone's life. So think of someone who might appreciate today's message. As always, I will have in the show notes for today's episode all the Bible quotations that I mentioned. You can find those at thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 104. This is episode 104. That's it for today. Again, I want to thank you so much for being here and listening. My hope is that you'll take these ideas and use them in your daily life and share them with your friends. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a wonderful week. Take care. We'll see you next time. God bless. God bless.